You're listening to our next episode of BMI Bicara Minggu Ini discussing current affairs, politics and stories that matter to you. Hello and this is Norman Go. The second parliamentary session has just concluded this week and we will take a look at what has happened over the past month and a lot of movement have been moving from left to right to center I think front and back. No, we've seen quite a lot of things going on for the past one month and um, we've also seen the uh, COVID-19 um bill uh, was debated and all that we have also seen the IPCC <clears throat> previously it was known as IPCMC bill it was uh, during Pakatan Harapan time so in this episode we have Kangar member of parliament uh, YB Ami Hamad uh, welcome to Bicharming Uni thank YB you Amin. so how are things YB uh, or should I call you just Amin you can just call me Amin uh, <laughs> Driving all the way from Kanga, and then I myself have not been to Kanga or even Arau. The <laughs> furthest I've been, Penang is nearer, right? Yeah, you should come one day. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the few places I've yet to go. I mean, I think people think Perlis is far away place. It's as far as Sabah. Yeah, it is true. From Perlis to Sabah, right? Mm-hmm. But Perlis is very quaint. You know, tell us a little bit about what is Kangar where where is Kangar and how is Kangar like you know I just want to start something light here okay uh, yeah I, I came from police actually just just arrived in KL yesterday uh, uh, in my way to Sabah uh, this evening I mean to help the campaign for the state election which will be held in I mean the, the nomination will be held in the, on the 12th and until 27 Mm-hmm. Uh, to the election day so, uh, so like question about Perlis uh, so as you mentioned just now like Perlis is the northern far and northernmost state uh, in peninsula it is but I mean the unique thing in Perlis is it's a, it's a border of Malaysia and the southern Thai on the southern side mm-hmm. and it's also the main uh, entrance to Langkawi from the land I mean, if uh, of course, I mean people can fly to Langkawi, but I think most tourists uh, use uh, ferry from Kuala Perlis, which is uh, one of the state uh, constituents under Kanga Parliament. Oh, how much does it cost from uh, from is it Kuala Perlis, right? Yeah. Uh, how much does it cost to go to Langkawi? I can't remember uh, the the current price for the tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this I think normally is around like uh, 25 to 30 and it will take only about uh, 40 minutes For, 40 minutes yeah 40 minutes mm. from uh, by, by ferry mm. you know sometimes it's, it's really nice because like myself I come from a place in Kuching and uh, we're so used to taking ferries and all that yeah. but I think it'll be a, a, quite a journey if you travel if you drive all the way from KL all the way to Kangar and um, you know, have a view with some of the, the the you know the villages along the way. You get to see, and you know, a lot of Malaysians just love to take their big bikes all the way to Hat Nyai yeah. and and all that. Yeah. So moving from Kanga, your place, you know, and this is considered your first term as yeah. an MP, and um, you won with more than five thousand majority. And now you know, we look back at the, the whole uh, Pakatan Harapan situation right now. I know we are we are going to face the uh, Sabah state election for a start so how is Pakatan Harapan now 
in your view? Uh, I mean, in general, you mean? Yeah, I mean, we want to hear from you because you were you were you were um, one of the uh, um, you were part of ideas. You were part of um, you know the strategic groups in in PKR. So how do you look at P- PH right now? It's Pakatan Harapan. Where is it? Where is it right now? Okay. Uh, from my observation, uh, Pakatan Harapan is still now in a, in a consolidated mode uh, after what had happened in February and because of the uh, MCO. So, I mean, we have a limited time to really sit down and discuss together, except for the top leaders among the parties. And uh, I, mean, I mean, to make it simple, Uh, that is my view that Pakatan is still now in the consolidated mode. And so, uh, because uh, the dynamics, I mean, the political dynamics has changed since uh, February. And like uh, our partners, like Bersatu is no longer with Pakatan, but uh, part of them is now forming a new party. And Warisan is having, I mean, leading the state election campaign. So, I mean, the, the focus uh, to strengthen Pakatan is still a work in progress. <laughs> means after six months, after eight months, it's still a lot of work in progress yeah. because, you know, any time the snap election will be called. Sure. So should a snap election be called, what is Pakatan Harapan going to do? Uh, actually, Pakatan Harapan uh, is still moving. Like in in Parliament, we have about uh, almost uh, a weekly meeting among the representative from each parties in Pakatan, which is Kadilan, DAP, and Amana, to start uh, discussing the narrative, but uh, uh, moving and preparing uh, for the snap election. That we, I mean, from the rumors we we. Uh, we want to get ready by end of this year and or maybe next year because there will be you know we're also looking at the Sarawak state election coming up sure you know yeah. because Sarawak Dun will be uh, expiring sometime in June <laughs> June, July next year yeah so you know when uh, some of the analysts out there also say that Pakatan Harapan you know moving forward you know at the current situation Pakatan Harapan is also seen at its weakest moment And uh, Medica Center's uh, uh, recent poll have also showed that Pakatan Harapan only enjoys 25% of the approval rating mm. from the public. Again, you know, usually political parties will just, you know, take look at it with a pinch of salt. But do you think that this is reflective of what's coming on right now? And should PKR take a um, different stand? How will PKR actually stand out of this? Because PKR, do you think that PKR is, um, you know, it's being, you know, PKR has gone through the toughest challenge you know through thick and thin and it's mm. still there still surviving and then PKR has also suffered one of one of the you know it was it was really badly hit yeah. this time and the perception is isn't doing how's the perception towards PKR right now how is and how how will PKR actually move above all this I can't speak on behalf of many other leaders or MPs But I mean, from my experience, uh, after what had happened in February, at least in my uh, constituency, I think the the mood or support among the members and supporters uh, in GE14 is much more about the same. 
maybe I mean some some might feel uh, that they I mean those who are not, not in the party might feel that uh, it is not good to be associated with the opposition mm. uh, especially when they need the government help and then because this kind of mentality already uh, yeah, it's really deeply ingrained uh, for uh, so many decades yeah, mm. it, uh, among the society especially in the rural areas but uh, uh, when I engage with them on a separate occasion I mean during my visits I mean during my uh, leisure time mm-hmm. So I mean, deep inside, they still believe that uh, Malaysia has to uh, to reform. I mean, to take a different path yeah, compared to what was uh, done by uh, Barisan National before. Mm. And how is a different question. I mean, how we want to move. Um, I mean, to the different path is is a different uh, situation. So, and I took the opportunity to. Explain a bit about the uh, actual problem of our country, especially on, uh, on what I debated in Parliament. I mean, since 2018, mm-hmm. uh, because people might might have a different opinion about what uh, it means when people voted for change in GE 14. Because many thought that uh, the, they voted for change just because of one MDB and GST issues, mm-hmm. but deep inside. Uh, I mean, if you look from the Bank Negara statistic or statistical department's stati- uh, data, uh, it shows like more deep uh, problem that is uh, running in our in our society that need to be uh, tackled by uh, the policymakers. Uh, it's better sooner than later, and. When the pandemic happened uh, since uh, last year, and when the government uh, decided to implement MCOs, so uh, it really shows that uh, how much uh, uh, attention need to be given by the government about the real problem in our society when people. Uh, don't have food on their table mm-hmm. when people uh, starting and more and more people starting to lose job and uh, more problem will be uh, appear on surface after this uh, after the moratorium end mm-hmm. so uh, I mean the worst is yet to come but of course uh, we cannot uh, wait until it appears bef- and then uh, I mean uh, we should Really think about the actual problem instead of uh, uh, you know superficial uh, sentiment in in politics. To me, as a policymakers, uh, this is what I want to highlight and I want to give attention instead of like uh, trying hard to winning votes. Uh, I mean, by using a, a wrong sentiments. So rather than using a very populist approach in your policies yeah. and all that, because we still have a lot of systemic problems yes. within our our governance, within even our civil service. Because I and mean, then one of the more important thing we we've yet to talk about is the reform agenda itself. Within it's not just reform agenda in the political parties or whatnot. It is the reform agenda that we need to implement into the whole government structure. How 
this government structure will deliver efficiently to the people because politics is just they are the policy makers they set the direction so again we are we are at a crossroads where Malaysians have to actually be stepping up again stepping up is just making decisions for themselves in getting the right people in the parliament that's also very important you know talking about that you know I remember you were tweeting um, middle of the night God, God, what knows? <laughs> your, 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 your ideas came out at night and it was very interesting when you shared your story when you were young. And what's interesting also, when you, when you tweeted about your experiences when you were, what, 12 years old at that time? Uh, no. Primary it's 6, right? It's 16. 16. So you were, you were uh, I, you know, I, teenage yeah, time. I represented the uh, police chess team, I mean, since I was 12. Yeah. Since 12 years old. Yeah, you see, at that time then when you shared that right it brings it brings me back I can't look, look at it it's like, mm, September I remember wait it's exactly 22 years ago of the start of Reformasi era yeah you know I you know when I call you out I said I think we need to talk talk about what I mean you just want to talk about at that time you were in the midst of that you know, can you share with me um, you were 16 representing police you know, for those who have not seen YB uh, Amin Ahmad's tweet uh, when he shared his experiences when he was young at the time. So now let's get, let's get it on. Listen to uh, YB Amin. How was it like? And uh, maybe you can share to the listeners. Uh, maybe I should start with a bit uh, much more earlier than uh, when I was 16. Uh, I was actually exposed to politics when... I mean, since the days I can remember, <laughs> because my parents was involved with, uh, I were, were involved with Amno uh, at the Chawangan level. Uh, so sometimes when they went for meetings, my party meetings, they brought me together. So I didn't really understand uh, what uh, they were discussed at that time. And then uh, when uh, I grew up. Uh, I remember I still in, uh, in primary school. Uh, there were election in 1990, if I remember correctly, and also 95. Uh, we all the kids at the at the taman lah, at the residential areas, we uh, took upah lah to gantung poster and to oh those were the times yeah. <laughs> those were the times and I remember I also remember if I'm not mistaken it was in 1995 that my dad won a, a DBP competition there was a competition that he entered and and won and DBP gave him I mean besides the money they gave him like 50 free books and among uh, the books was uh, Singa di bawah tahta di jerat written by Tun Saleh Abbas uh, so the English version is uh, like Mayday, Mayday for Justice uh, so when I read that book then I realised that uh, at that time the Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamad is not really a great person as it appears you know, on TV on uh, papers and at that time I also don't have the idea that DBP is a part of the government institution mm. <laughs> And but uh, to me the, I mean now uh, thinking back about that uh, how brave DBP at that time publishing uh, that kind of book as a, as a government institution when Mahathir was still the Prime Minister 
But then moving forward in 1998, uh, as I tweeted uh, last time, uh, that, that time I was uh, 16, I represented uh, police chess team. Uh, I was actually a police chess player since I was 12. So in the uh, uh, in that year, we I mean the the, uh, the Madeka tournament was held at the uh, uh, PWTC, uh, which is uh, I mean the same building with uh, the Amno HQ, and we played from the Madeka day until the second of September, and I remember uh, correctly that. Uh, that 2nd of September evening, uh, before the closing ceremony, there was a like a friendly match between the uh, selected players from Malaysia to play with an Indonesian team who came as the, as the uh, you know, this is a medical tournament that we invited a team from Indonesia, from Singapore, from Philippines and, and, and others. So Indonesia, I remember they sent the under 12 team and they won the, the youth category. So, so Malaysia team took the opportunity to, I mean, together the selected Malaysian players from different states, from Perak, from Selangor, which is a top youth players in Malaysia to play with this under 12 Indonesian team. And also when, when uh, while watching the, the game, I heard that some people talking about that uh, there, there was a protest uh, at the ground level of the press hotel, uh, uh, the PWTC, sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't really get what, what it means. So on the 2nd of September night, we decided to just drove back to Perlis because the tournament just end. We're supposed to go back on the 3rd, but we decided to go back on the 2nd uh, uh, September on the night. Then when we open up the radio, we realized that uh, Anwar Ibrahim was sacked that evening. So I can relate uh, that news with what I, had, what I heard uh, in the conversation of the, I mean, uh, in the spectators at, at that time. So uh, from there, I somehow get involved in reformasi because in Perlis, uh, I think those days, uh, internet was very uh, quite scarce. Not many people have uh, the access to the internet and, and because the, the press is also, I uh, was fortunate to have an access to the internet. So I became the intermediary, some sort of intermediary to uh, print materials from the internet and uh, so that my parents can read and also the neighbors who have interest in politics uh, can also I mean share and discuss uh, about the current issues at that time and uh, and on that right do you still remember the um the moments when you actually started to read it, that time you were sixteen. Yeah. Um, I will go back to the book later because it's uh, one of the one of the books I think is really interesting to 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 know about. So that time, what was that feeling looking back uh, at the situation at that time, the start of the reformasi when Datuk Sri Anwar, uh, who is the current president of PKR, yeah. and um, and also he he founded the uh, the party itself at that time. 
So looking back, how how does it feel right now and then? Uh, when I was 16, I I don't see myself as a as someone who have a big interest in politics. But we just uh, feel as a as a human being, we just feel that this, this something is not right. And I guess uh, I mean based on the uh, election results in 1919, uh, no, 1999. Uh, sorry, mm. 1999. Uh, we can see clearly that uh, Malay voters were not happy with what had happened to Anwar at that time. Not just. Uh, the sack of Anwar Ibrahim, but also uh, what had happened subsequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that Anwar was beaten in the jail. Uh, so I mean the the proceeding in the court. Uh, I mean, crit, I mean it was very were very suspicious, and with with the decision made by the by the judge, and with with the answer given by the witness, and and also the. I mean issues that related to what had happened in the court, like when uh, Azizan was caught uh, with a woman, uh, and also, yeah, I mean the judge uh, was exposed that they went for holiday with with a lawyer. So there are so many things happened at that time. Mm-hmm. I remember that uh, my father keep all the materials that I printed until I, today right it's still un- available until today I, I'm not sure whether it is <laughs> uh, it is still there mm-hmm. but I remember when I graduated in 2006 uh, the material w- was still there mm. I mean it is a big <laughs> chunk of, of papers mm. on the in the store <laughs> yeah how has reformacy you know evolve over the years because at the time of reformasi in 1998 yeah. it was also the fall of Suharto at that time Mahathir belum, yeah. belum jatuh lah yeah. <laughs> um, now 22 years ahead PKR was part of the movement where many, that, that, that saw the, that the that history was made in 2018 yeah. and now how what is reformasi what does reformasi mean to you today so I continue that when So when I entered university, among the first thing that I told my mum was that I want to be an activist. So uh, she somehow got panic because I I was the first uh, son who entered the university. So she wanted me to of course focus on my study and graduated. So, but I ensure her that I will take care of myself. But my spirit was very high that I want uh, I want to do something more than just study. So, this is uh, also influenced by news that I read online and how uh, student activists were very brave uh, to voice their opinions about the current issues. But when I entered the university. I couldn't really see all these student activists uh, doing their activism in the campus. So there were lack of organization of student activism. Uh, I'm not 
saying that they are lack of organization but mm. uh, they were mostly active outside the campus mm. because uh, I mean the the street protests were very active back then mm-hmm. so uh, there are only a few who were active in the campus and but the issue inside the campus is not really challenging to this kind of activists because they want to talk about big issues about national issues they don't want to just talk about how to fix the toilet how <laughs> to fix the bus system inside the campus uh, so they want to focus more on on policy issues that affecting the nation mm-hmm. uh, so that's the different uh, back then so and uh, when uh, Jonah I mean Kairul Anwar was uh, released from ISA in 2000 if I'm not mistaken in 2001 and I got to know him and from there I started to involve in a bigger scene of student activism before that I just uh, doing my things inside the campus and from 2001 I started uh, to go out and to join street protests and and I also involved in the uh, political imprisonment I mean the ISA that was used Uh, to to ten uh, reformasi activists at that time, uh, among others is was Ezam Mamano, Ishamuri Rais, Raja Petra, and some others. So, uh, so when I continue my study at the degree level, I contested in the uh, student election, and I won the highest votes. Oh, but. Uh, I was denied to be the president of the Student Representative Council at that time. I remember that the Deputy Vice Chancellor asked me to see him and told me that he will decide who will become the president. From that moment, I know that he don't want me to be the president because my involvement with reformacy all this. And but I don't really care much because uh, I still, I mean wants to do things on my own and but the spirit at that time that was inculcated among uh, student activists was to uh, ensure the students independence from the political influence mm. I mean party party influence so even after I graduated I and even I support even though I supported uh, reformasi uh, since 1998 I didn't join the party until uh, mid 2011. Uh, at that time, I was at the Chief Minister's of Selangor's office. Uh, Tan Sri Khalid Ibrahim was the Chief Minister back then. I joined the office in early 2010 mm-hmm. and then left the office in the mid of 2012. Uh, so, I, what uh, drove me to join the party is Because I remember that time I read, I, I, I can't remember whether it is article or uh, book, but I realized that uh, in throughout the world that a party that was formed from the street protests normally won't last long because I mean they cannot handle the diversity in the in the party. So I think Kadilan uh, might risk. Uh, to fall into the same, the same grave, uh, if if they don't realize about the this challenge, 
and I joined the party because I want to accept that challenge. I mean, I want to contribute to make sure that Kaadilan will be a success story of uh, I mean the, a party that is formed from a street protest. And I think as many can see that Kaadilan uh, having difficulties in handling the diversity in the party mm-hmm. because a uh, group of people who join Kaadilan, especially I mean those who are from the early eras of reformasi, these uh, people from like, different backgrounds they were professionals like doctors lawyers engineers and they were also like academicians they were also activists they were also student activists they were also like labor union uh, activists and many others and uh, this kind of people although they have like a common uh, understanding about uh, about uh, you know basic human rights Uh, but they have uh, their separate agenda on on issues that they want to champion and sometimes uh, the issues that they want to champion I mean the the solutions that they provide to the issues that they want to champion uh, they, uh, become the uh, you know become the opposite to other people's mm-hmm. uh, issues so this has created a uh, somehow fraction mm. in the party because I mean some people might feel that they are uh, easy to get along with uh, some others mm-hmm. some might not feel that way so created a different type of cliques yeah. within within the party itself. yeah mm. but uh, besides the activists uh, they are also like people from I mean formerly UMNO like formerly Uh, from different many different parties yeah, and many all different that. parties mm. and also from many different uh, as for example like Islamic movement they are mm. also like several different organizations so you can say PKR was born out of you know the multitudes and differences of people within the party itself yes you know despite um, there will be friction there will be different faction yes. as well uh, that, that is how PKR was formed yeah mm. so As we can see that this is uh, a constant challenge that uh, Kaadilan is facing mm. even until now even, and I believe it will continue in I mean many years later but I think that is, that should be the spirit that should not be a problem but it, uh, it is a challenge that needs to be resolved among leaders because to me uh, Kaadilan is the most successful Uh, multiracial party in the country. Mm. This is from my opinion. Although we ha- also have uh, some other multiracial parties, but to me, Kaadilan is uh, is a party that uh, closely reflects uh, the, the Malaysian population because uh, most of the Kaadilan members are Malays, even though it is a multiracial party. Compared to other multiracial parties, might not led by Malay leaders, and and. Uh, why I'm saying that Kaadilan is uh, most successful because Kaadilan was one time uh, in 2013 we have a representative either at state or parliament level uh, in every state mm-hmm. so it shows that Kaadilan can be accepted by people throughout the country 
So of course, I mean to win uh, is one thing, but to maintain, uh, to maintain the reputation, is another thing. So, and and with, uh, I mean, uh, if you look at the at the trend, uh, voting trend, uh, after 1999, we can see how uh, Kaelan grows from uh, living with only. Uh, one seat in 2004 to I mean when Anwar was released and uh, came back in 2008 we managed to deny to third majority of the Barisan National and in 2018 we managed to get the popular votes uh, 50, 51% votes so uh, if we look from the trend we believe that 2018 is our year That we can win uh, with or without, uh, you know, additional supports, and of course, I mean, uh, having said that, uh, I'm not denying that uh, additional supports. I mean, from uh, the from Mahadis and Shafi Abdul's group, but I'm I'm saying that the trend is there partly because the reformasi generation in 1999 now they already become a father mother to a new uh, uh, generation of voters. So these uh, parents uh, well understood what had happened in 1998. I'm not saying that their, their stand is still consistent. Which, I mean, with their stand in 1998, 1999. But it's easier to explain to give a big picture of what had happened to our country I mean to them because they can relate very much because because they were there when reformasi happened in 1998 and now we are going to see a lot more young people who will be coming out to vote I yeah. mean I mean this time uh, like my generation those who were born in the late 80s will have seen what had happened in 1998 what happened in 2004 2008 yeah. and then the first time we were able to vote was actually 2008 that was the very first yeah. time and there was also the very first time that we saw that you know it is it is the, the the starting point to a lot of those young people at that time we saw was hey it's the end of the time where governments knows best yeah there's also the time It's time to move from a transition state from the old politics to a newer yeah. politics. Yeah. So, do you think where, um, you know, where the former prime minister Tun Mahathir was saying that race politics is still going to be here? Well, um, and then there's also another thought, school of thought, is saying that multiculturalism and multicultural parties is the way to go forward. Yeah. And and it is already being accepted by people. So how will reformasi takes its form in the next 10 years? How will it be? Okay. And only 18 will be coming up sure. next year. So how will this movement actually move forward in the next few years to come? Yeah, there are two big questions here. The first is the new generation of voters, and many of them who are eligible to vote in the next election, if times permit. Mm. Uh, Only born after reformasi era. Those those were born like after 2004. I mean, uh, 2000. Yeah, year year 2000. Mm. I mean, from uh, reformasi until now is already 22 years. Correct. So meaning, if they were born in 1998 or 
some of them can already vote uh, in the next election if if the if I mean their names being gazetted by by the election commission. Mm. And uh, uh, on the question is whether on race politics and multiculturalism um, can thrive. Uh, it is to me it is not uh, it is not the opposite because race politics is part of to me is part of multiculturalism and it depends on how leaders want to frame race politics uh, and of course if you look at the current population in Malaysia uh, many still believe that race politics uh, uh, is important partly because uh, there are still many Malays, especially in the rural areas, live in poverty. But the question that I believe young people wants to put forward is: I mean, we need a different solution to the race and race, uh, race issues uh, because we cannot get a different result if we keep on doing the same thing all over again. And this is what I believe that young people wants uh, wants to stress when I mean they are voicing out their opinions because they are sick of. Uh, all leaders who keep on repeating uh, repeating about the race and religious issues without really uh, reforming the policy, reforming their approach uh, um, to tackle the issue. Uh, I I don't know whether it is a joke or not, but I I mentioned to many people. I mean, before this, that those. Uh, who eagerly shouting about uh, fighting for the Malays and for Islam and because I mean on the pretext that uh, Malays are still I mean uh, subject to poverty but if you look uh, in the past 23 years 20-30 years if you look at <laughs> in the past 20-30 uh, years those who shouted that hidup Melayu all this kind they are I mean their incomes are multiplying much faster than those who are still subject to poverty so I mean who they are really fighting for the irony and the hypocrisy yeah. itself <laughs> so uh, so this is why I believe that new generation of young voters although they mm. are also partly uh, benefited yeah, benefited from the the uh, policy based uh, no, race based policy but I believe they can see that uh, those um, underprivileged Malays deserve more and they can if the leaders really wants to reform I mean to bring change to their I mean their environment their life uh, so uh, and of course uh, young people also see that uh, the new uh, modern uh, politics and technology also needs new and modern thinking uh, among the Malays so that we can compete at equal uh, position with uh, not just other races in the country but I mean young people now with the help of internet they want to compete at the international level at the global level so they don't mm. see that, that the benchmark is only uh, in Malaysia and you see from from how things are going to move out and uh, we are we're coming towards the the end of this um, yeah. podcast so you know we are going to celebrate Hari Malaysia in 
you know, in in two weeks, less than two weeks, and YB Amin will be heading to Sabah. Yeah. And well, national level of Malaysia, they will be held in Sarawak. Uh, what are your hopes? You know, looking ahead, and you know, you you you've been in the parliament. You are you are considered one of the young people in the parliament as yeah. well. Those who are age forty and below. Yeah. And I'm sharing the young parliamentarian caucus. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you and you have uh, YB Yo among the few young people yeah. who are each 40 and below. So, what are your 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 message to a lot of young Malaysians out there, yet to join you as colleagues in the parliament? Yeah. You know, what would you say to them? You know, on this uh, Malaysia Day. I always believe that young people have a lot to contribute to the country, and uh, I espouse my opinion since my younger years. But at the same time, I also uh, believe that young people should uh, have some humility to admit that we are living in a society uh, in which we have a lot of idealism. We want to bring change and reform for a betterment of, of the nation, of our society and of our uh, own uh, life. And uh, by having said that, I believe that Uh, young people should just come forward, express their opinion, uh, contribute in what, whatever way they think they can, and at the same time, uh, just tell the, I mean, just show uh, to, I mean, to those uh, older generation that we can still work together with them, uh, and we can show them that what we can bring. Uh, what different things that, what difference that we can bring? Uh, I mean, in order to uh, synergize uh, with them. Yeah. Now, like what YB Amin has said, uh, if you're listening on this podcast, is saying that if you're young, if you're able to, if you want to contribute, step up your plate and take the challenge. It doesn't mean that with young, more young people into this political arena, doesn't mean that you are wanting the old people to go out. Not yeah. necessarily. It doesn't mean that way. It doesn't mean that the old people should just all of you retire and let it take over. No, it doesn't work that way. There's supposed to be a synergy between the two generations yeah. because at the end of the day, everyone wants the best for the country. If I may add mm. a little bit, uh, I remember when I was at university. Yep. Um, many many students were very af- afraid to get involved in politics mm. because I mean. Since 2002, if I'm not mistaken, the government have a heavy-handed, uh, heavy hand. I mean, in handling the student activism, mm. and I told them they should not uh, just join politics. If if they study like engineering, they should do their best in engineering. If they study like science, do their best in science, because after a while, I mean, the nation is being developed by everyone so everyone should claim their space in the nation building and I believe that after a while they will realize that in every uh, in every segment of uh, or every field of studies there will be a policy to govern how it grows in the country so they might realize about the importance of politics later but in whatever they, are, they want to do do their best Yeah, there was there was really really good way for YB Amin YB Amin to actually conclude this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you do, whether you're in science, social sciences, or why not being an engineer, you still can be a leader, bring about changes in policy. Uh, 
So thank you so much Wabi Amin for joining me in this episode. Thank and you for having me. Yeah. And uh, you can follow our Kanga MP on Twitter at Noor Amin Ahmad. N O O R A M I N A H M A D. Noor Amin Ahmad. So you're listening to Bicara Minggu ini, uncovering current affairs and politics. And you can listen to the stories and interviews on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts on iTunes. For more updates and stories, if you have any suggestions, you can tweet to me at I'm Norm Go. Thank you for listening. So do support me by subscribing to the show. And if you'd like to contribute to support the podcast or share your stories, drop a message and I will get back to you soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.